Welcome to Make Your Difference, the marketing and mindset show for people focused on making their difference and optimizing their own and others' well-being. It's great to have you here with us on the show today, and I've got an amazing guest for you, Carly Keeley, who I'm really excited to bring you today. I've known Carly for around three years now, and she's someone I always enjoy talking to, and I'm bringing you the highlights from a great conversation I had with her, covering everything from mental and physical well-being to mindset and marketing. A bit of background on Carly before we kick off. She's worked in well-being for 15 years, including working as a personal trainer, having been on her own journey with health, as I find many people have been in their lead up to their careers in well-being. So there's a real personal connection with wellness for Carly. She's also an expert marketer with a great eye for both branding and copy following her degree in creative marketing. So as well as having worked for a long time now in the area of well-being, she's a really great person for us to speak to on the subject of both marketing and mindset. So enjoy the episode. Hi, so welcome Carly. And you've been on quite a journey yourself with your own business for well over a decade now with various iterations of your business. What would you say has been the biggest positive impact on your mindset relating to your business? Yeah. Hi, Vicky. And thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. When it comes to mindset, I do feel that mindset whether and physical well-being, mental well-being, it's all such a journey. So it is starting at where you're at and building up in terms of mindset. So for me, it's just being, being aware, being aware that I needed to work on my mindset is the first step. Then I'm a bit of a I'm book obsessed, actually. I have a pile of books that I'm never going to get through, but I I plan to. But that helps me. Um, Meditation, mindfulness, just taking those small steps has really helped me to, yeah, to feel better in my mindset. That's great. Thank you. And how about things that have caught you out from a mindset perspective? I know I've had quite a few of those over the years. Is there anything that you've learned about mindset from that experience that you could share with us? Yeah, I think it's a lack of awareness. So actually you can be, it's like anything in life, Vicky, isn't it? You can be, you can have all these wonderful positive habits and you, you think you have them all under control and it only takes a tiny thing to knock you off track, whether that's anything in life. And it's the same with mindset. You know, they do say, don't they, your mind is a muscle. It is a tool. We need to work it. So I think that's where the pitfalls have been for me. If I become a bit complacent, so same with physical well-being that you just take a bit of a back step and think, yeah, that's sorted. I'll stop working on it. And then actually it creeps up on you. And mm. for me, things like sleep are hugely important for me as well. And I know that if I do the same with that, which I do, I'm a bit of a night owl. I love working in the evening. It is my time. Mm. But that impacts my mindset and my, uh, my mood as well, I would say. So those two things yeah. together, I think sleep and just keep working on it are yeah. the two factors for me. Okay, great. Yeah, those both definitely resonate with me too. And yeah. in terms of your background with well-being, do you mind sharing a little bit about what caused you to be personally so passionate about well-being? What was the trigger for you? Yeah, well, we're going way back and I don't know how, how far back you want me to go here, Vicky. And my, my actual trigger was grief. So I don't want to go too deep here, but I did. I lost my mum and that I was actually at university doing graphic design. After taking a year out from doing media production, so I've always been in the creative sectors, I finally thought I had this sussed. I was doing the right degree for me. And then three months into my course, it was just out of the blue, lost my mum. And that was my trigger for, I wouldn't say self-care in a good way, but it was definitely something to help me cope. So I went to the local gym. I started to really find the benefit and it was just helping me to get through that time. And so I actually fell into it. It wasn't like it was just a passion that was always within me. I'd always done bits, but at that time it felt like a real crutch. And 
I just started to think and, and chat to the instructors and said, you know, how do you get into this? And before you know it, I'm quite impulsive like that. I've got quite an impulsive personality where it becomes, you know, it's, a, it's a simple question. How do you work in fitness? How do you get that qualification? Before you know it, I've signed up, I've enrolled. <sighs> and that was the start of my path. Oh, great. Thanks for sharing. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear about the journey you've been on, but great that it led you to, to well-being. Yeah. And in terms of sort of optimizing physical well-being, obviously that's something that you, you've kind of been working on now for a really long time. But why do you think it's something that should matter so much to all of us? Yeah, you're probably asking at quite a strange time in that sense, because with everything going on in the world, my physical well-being at the moment probably isn't quite as much a priority as it should be. But like you say, it's why it should be. Hmm. And it just it makes us feel good. I'm all about the feel good. So when I was yep. in fitness and well-being, it that was my message. We're going to probably talk about this in much more detail. Yeah. It was all about feeling good. And now that I'm working in branding and marketing, it is still about feeling good. So to me, that is the end goal for anything in life. But for physical well-being, it's that knock-on effect to feel better in ourselves. You know, there's such that link, isn't there, between... We, you know, we talk about well-being, I think we automatically think physical. But especially how things are at the moment, the mental well-being is just crucial, isn't it, for what we are yeah. all kind of experiencing and yeah, that's why I think it's so crucial for me. So yeah, I'm, long story there, long version of that. I'm probably not doing all the steps I would like to be doing at the moment, but that is why I do try to keep on top of it just because I know it makes me feel better. And yeah. even in my business, I just feel more prepared for all that. Okay, that's great. And I know a lot of people that I come across are becoming more conscious of their physical health with everything that's going on in the world around us. And if you were talking to someone who was looking to improve their own physical fitness, how would you suggest that they get started? Obviously, aside from speaking to their GP and making sure they're sort of fit enough to do so, what, what would you suggest they, they do to get going? Do you know what the first step I would say is pull right back and just take that pressure off yourself. So we were talking about, say I talk about the mental well-being side of things, that pretty much rules us, doesn't it? You know, we can have all these amazing intentions to be physically active, but if our mindset and our, our mental well-being isn't quite there, which, like I say, so many people, it's just not at the moment. We, we're being asked so much upon us, aren't we, to, to deal with that physical well-being probably isn't going to be at the, the top of their priorities. But I think if you take a step back and think, again, think about the reasons why you want to be active, that you are going to feel better, that it's going to help you feel better in your life and probably even improve that relationship with yourself and with others and how you see the world, just start small. And that's what I would say. So pull back, take the pressure off yourself. It's even being quite intuitive. You know, I'm quite an intuitive person in my in my business, but actually my life. And you know, there's a big thing at the minute, though there was a big thing when Fitbits came out. I don't know if you had one, Vicky. <laughs> I and, did, yeah. <laughs> yes. And people still do. Or they have step counters. And I think that to me was one of the biggest pressures that was out there. It was it was there to inspire people to get active, you know, but it fast became, quickly became, you know, 10,000 steps a day. That's all you need to keep active. But if you ever tried, 10,000 actually is a lot. But suddenly this pressure was on people that they thought, well, yes, I have to do 10,000 a day. Probably thinking it is a low amount. So it can cause all sorts of spirals in mindset that, you know, that, that is how I can't do it. And if they achieve 8,000, have they failed? So that's where I would look at your pullback, take the pressure off. Maybe, you know, do you need a step count if you're just starting to get active? And you go back to that intuitive self and look in and think, I did something, I moved, and that was enough. So to say again, it's back to that mindset, mind-body connection is just huge. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. And I love that taking the pressure off because I think a lot of people do, particularly with things like step counters and things, they do sort of hold themselves to it then, don't they? And it almost becomes a bit of a rod for their own back as opposed to an enabler. So, so yeah, I very much like that way of, uh, of looking at things. And in terms of yeah. mindset, what would you say are, have you found are the biggest mindset barriers for people doing what they know they need to do for their physical or, or mental well-being, I guess, in that case? Yeah, yeah. And sure, I'm going to link it to that last answer because I think, again, we make that the challenge for ourselves so huge. Mm. Like anything in life, whether it is business, marketing, whether it is well-being. I say this a lot to my clients where I was in well-being that, you know, we are, it's almost like standing at the bottom of a mountain and we are looking up and our goal, that, that goal we badly want to achieve is right at the top. And my goodness, from down there, you're looking up thinking, I'm never going to get there. So we just kind of give up before we even set off. So I think it's lower the expectation yet again. That's the biggest barrier is making it too big, too scary. Um, make it more about you in the now and week by week if you have to, rather than that big scary goal. Break it down and just make it achievable. I think that is the biggest biggest barrier for me is it, it just feels too much. Maybe we talk about mindset, maybe it's a past experience as well. If they've tried, failed, so they've decided they're going to fail again. Mm. But again, if they tweaked it and tried a different approach, it could work for them. Mm. And the next, the other biggest barrier is, do you know what? I think everyone's going to resonate with this. It's time or <laughs> the illusion of time because we all have the same time. It's about priorities. And I think it's probably far too easy for people to say, I don't have time for that. Especially, you know, at the moment we are in this world where we're at home, we're homeschooling. You know, we, we, we don't have that sense of priority for ourselves. So we can go, you can go really deep on this, you know, these, these flippant barriers that get just spoken. And this is key for anybody who's marketing the wellbeing business. You are going to get that. You are going to get that. I don't have time for this. And really digging deep. It's just, they don't see the self as a priority. So that's where things like self-love, self-worth, self-belief, it all comes in. And if you can start to take it from that angle, the, the answers, the barriers, I think, I think answer them before they can say them to you is my top tip there. And in terms of those barriers, did you use those within your marketing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, probably not in the early days. And this was like, you know, I'm, I started in 2002 was when I first qualified as a fitness instructor. And you'd be forgiven at that time, especially you're young, you know, I was early 20s. You do get led down that path of, well, this is what fitness is. This is what it looks like. It's all about weight loss. And, you know, there's been a huge switch recently in it, uh, physical well-being being for mental well-being and the whole anti-diet culture as well but back then you do go into the pitfall of it being about weight loss it probably did take about six years probably in line with me getting my degree because suddenly hmm. you start to tap into what people need what people want and how to use that whereas before you I was just almost like there's a saying isn't the way you, you kind of throw spaghetti at the wall see what sticks that was my original approach but then, yeah, I started to look at the objections and think, well, how can I use them? And that's exactly what I was saying there about the self-love, self-belief, self-worth. It's going that little bit deeper. And that's when, that's when we get on to talking about this. I'm probably going way ahead. But that's going to be one of my t top tips. It's tap into that emotional side of things. You know, we are emotional mm -hmm. beings and we want to be, yeah, understood and listened to. And I think rather than it just being those objections of, or, or let's say using the ones that just lose weight, well, actually, if we look a bit deeper and actually what the reasons they're not doing this and start to use those objections, it's just so much more effective. So it did take me a long time. But as I sort of start to really tap into that myself, I saw a shift in 
the way I marketed, the way people responded to me and my confidence as well. That's great. So we'll come on to talk a bit more about marketing in a, in a sec. But before we do, I'd be really interested to hear a bit more about the positive habits that you've been able to put in place for your own well-being. <laughs> like I say, probably the wrong time in the moment, but it's something that I am constantly striving for is sleep is is a number one for me. It's such yep. a huge, it has such a knock-on effect for everything else. And that's something I'm super aware of. I am a night owl. My, all my creative thinking seems to happen at night. I think it is just the world has, has shut up shop, hasn't it? You know, everybody's asleep. People can't interrupt you. So that's where my thought process. But I do try to make it a habit that trying to get a good quality sleep, drinking lots of water. It's all the things that we know we should do, but it's making back to making that priority. So sleep, water and mindfulness has been a huge one. Those three help me to keep physically more sort of motivated as well. That's great. And recognising that you're you're human and you're a mum of three, um, you sort of alluded to the fact that particularly at the moment, you don't always kind of stay super disciplined with everything. But how do you sort of go about letting yourself off the hook for those things? I know some people get quite militant when they start making changes, but how do you do that in a, in a softer way? Yeah. And you know, that, that leans back into something we chatted about before about, I said about the big mountain and looking up at it. I think mm. so many people can be very much all or nothing when it comes to well-being. It's literally, I go all, all in, or I'm not going to bother and go totally off the scale. It's finding that balance to you. And that's how I've always worked. I've never been quite militant with it. Not even when I was in the industry, not any time I go on a bit of a mission that, you know, at the moment say I'm probably a bit of a low-key, ticking along physical and mental well-being, ready to probably go for it again when things reopen, when the gym reopens and life get back, gets back to normality. But even then, I just won't go full on because I know that doesn't work for me. So I think, again, it is tapping in. It's looking at your past experiences and maybe using them in a really positive way so rather than thinking I failed it didn't work will it work again it's thinking well, what can I learn from that or going all in clearly didn't work for me it rarely works for anybody something's got to give and life does get in the way Yes, totally. I think particularly at the moment, life gets in the way in all sorts of unexpected ways. Uh, and then moving now on to, to marketing, it's great having you here because you've got expertise in both wellness and marketing. And obviously, we were chatting before the session and found out that actually, as well as marketing your own fitness business, you've had the experience of doing all of the marketing for an NHS Healthy Living Centre too. So you've got all that expertise to, to delve into as well. So moving across to wearing your marketing hat, what would you say are your three top tips for marketing well-being? I think we've already started to touch on some. I think that the number one is, like I said, be a human, be a human being in your, even in your marketing and, you know, realize that you, that people want real, and especially if it's a personal brand. So there is a difference between personal and corporate. And in a way, it doesn't matter too much if, if you are marketing a center, because it is just what tapping into real human qualities, you know, that, as we said before, that people do. I say in inverted brackets, fail or feel like they fail at things. You know, it's how you can reassure people, support people, go be a bit more empathetic and holistic. And I think there has been a definite shift into that. So I think it is, yeah, that is one of my top tips is just give it that human touch. Second links very closely, it is to then draw on emotions and experiences from that as well and really tap into that. Show that you understand them. Show that you you acknowledge their what they think of their past failures. And you're going to use that as something quite inspiring as a springboard to, you know, look, we, we know you didn't, you, you've maybe tried this before or you maybe looked at it this way. Have you looked at it this way? Have you tried it this way? We are here to support you, show you a different way and show that you can. And that becomes really quite, 
yeah, so it could be a bit emotional in a way. They're tapping in, but really inspiring and quite motivating. And then the third one is just knowing your who you're talking to, you know, being really specific. So it, it, you need to know your market. You know, there's a whole different, if it's going to be, if it's a male, depends whether we're talking physical, mental well-being, you know, is it that we're talking about that militant style? Some people do love that. Some people thrive off that. I do ask questions around that. And I, I do I do tend to think that does crumble down at some point. But, you know, if people think they want that, that's a whole different marketing set and tools compared to somebody who does need that softer, more mental well-being supported point of view. So I think that's, again, where the mental well-being comes in. If you've got people that have need that softer, more gentle approach, maybe suffer with depression, anxiety, they're not going to like that all-in approach. So yeah, it gets super clear. So my top three tips there are, yeah, give it the human touch, whether you are a facility or a center, especially if you're a personal brand, that it becomes really easy because they just get to know you and that gives that super connection, super real connection. And then secondly is use the emotions, you know, identify their problems, I should say in there as well. We hear that so much. You'll know that, Vicky, in, in marketing it is, what are their problems? How can we solve them? But in a really non marketing way it's just giving it that human touch so one and two are pretty much linked together but you know use the emotions give them what they they want and need and then third one was getting super clear on who you're talking to and that majorly impacts number one and two that's great and i think for me it's it's remembering that the marketing is about relationships effectively isn't it so that's why yeah. you need to think about emotions and think about who you're talking to and i think often people can go down a bit of a rabbit hole and think marketing is something completely separate but actually it really just is about how you're starting and, and continuing to build the relationships with with real human beings really so um yeah Definitely. I think it's so easy to, oh, sorry, just to go in there, but yeah, I think it's so easy to think of it with, you know, you say about putting my marketing hat. I think then people in business put theirs on and forget mm. and they want to sound too professional and, you know, yeah, just, just kind of take that down a level, putting that human touch first at, with some strategy in there. So I think for me, it is sort of intuitive and real and authentic. That word gets thrown around, but you know, those qualities with the strategy and they will work like a dream. That's great. Thanks. And in terms of your, your own fitness business, how important was marketing? Hugely. Yeah. It, it's, it's underneath everything, isn't it? You know, whether it is, you know, my, my, my fitness business actually ended up running up long-term clients. I had clients of, sort of 12 years and so that rapport and just getting to know what you're about. So it does come back to when we're talking about brand, it's knowing your personal values to start with and putting those into your your brand you know whether people see themselves as a brand they have this conversation all the time but you're putting it into your marketing material what are you about and does it come across like that your tone of voice your values because that is going to set that bar straight away make those relationships and then like I said that can become long-term clients or then you know it may, my marketing well I say it was still there underneath but yeah that initial marketing material paved the way for long-term clients and I would say about 80% referrals long-term as well, but it's getting super clear to start with. You know, put that work in, make sure they're running through all the way. So I guess once you're doing your initial setup, it's checking back in with it to make sure you're still in line. The world is still aligned. Your things do change like now. Make sure it's current. And then just checking in and maintaining it as you go through. So it's never to take you out of the ball and think, right, well, my branding, my marketing is done. On I go and keep saying the same message because things change and the market changes just keep on top of it 
I'm glad you mentioned referrals and, and long-term clients because I think people sometimes forget that those are part of marketing as well. So the relationships you have ongoing with your existing customers and using those those existing customers to find new people is all part of marketing. So I'm glad you mentioned those because I think people sometimes sort of see that as something slightly different as opposed to actually yeah, a key part of what marketing really is. And you sort of started touching upon branding again there. And obviously that's something that you, you're really working with at the moment, branding and, and copy to help people to communicate with their dream clients. What would you say are, are the main things that tend to trip people up with their branding and their copy? Oh, I'm going to go straight in with the biggest one that I see. And I see it so much at the moment, even in the clients that I work with, I still have to pick them up on this because it seems to be a default setting that we all revert back to. And that is just not telling people what the benefits or what the transformation, the results, what that is. This is probably more for a personal brand than anything. Or it could be a small business if you are the face of the business. We have this real problem, I think, again, saying back to that human touch. We are all human. We do have emotions. We do have mindset battles, things like perfectionism, imposter syndrome, self-belief coming into this. Because the number one thing I see that really trips people up is they just start to revert to say, this is what I do. Not necessarily this is what what I do gives, but that's what people need. And that's effective marketing. You know, if you just start to explain your, this is what I do, you know, say if you were, um, let's say, let's say a, a, therap- a, a massage therapist, so it's just a different because we do talk about well-being and fitness, but let's say even if it's just that and when the world is back to normal and people do come along and say, right, these are my aches and pains, here have a massage and people say, yes, well, this is what I do. This is the pressure points that I, I tackle and this is, these are the oils that I use. But really they just say, well, they want to know what that result is. So what, how am I going to feel afterwards? Will this get rid of those aches and pains? Will it make me feel better? So I think that's a good way to tackle that is it's and then that is like definitely number one pitfall is say what and how that is going to how is it going to change a life basically. Mm, yes, definitely. Because I think that's it when it comes to well-being. People don't necessarily even need to understand exactly the process they're going through, but they want the end result that there's something, whether whether it's an issue they're looking to resolve or whether it's a particular outcome that they're looking for. That's that's the, the connection for them from an emotional point of view. So no, that's, that's a great one. Thank you. And in terms yeah. of people getting started themselves with their branding and copy, I know sometimes people um, get a bit overwhelmed with exactly what's involved and they don't want to work with large agencies or spend a lot of money on it but how would you suggest what are the steps you'd suggest people start yeah do you know what? first top tip as such would be to make it a priority so you know some people they'll start out in business and we, we've been there you've been there vicky i do it. even when i start a new project i get so excited i almost leapfrog ahead past the really core essential parts that people don't really know about perhaps and you know you get your website up and running you get your social media sorted and it's out there and you're thinking, who? yep, off we go. But maybe what they haven't done, and I pull them right back and say, actually, work on your message, your target market. Let's get those core ingredients first. And you can do that without necessarily going to an agency just yet. So it's just making it a priority, knowing that it is a key part of the mix, that that's one of the essential ingredients. Because if you don't have your message, how are people going to know what you're about? If it's, if it's not clear communication, and when you don't have that message, it doesn't really lend itself to that transformation that we just talked about either. You might start talking about different benefits. You might start saying about different transformations, especially if people aren't responding to the marketing material that you're putting out. It comes too easy to switch. And this might, you know, with social media especially, it's so fast and furious. And we judge it off likes and comments. And say if you put something out and you thought, right, I'm just going to test this message, put it out for a week, and that's not long enough. 
don't really get the feedback. So you go, oh, no, panic. I'm going to change it. You've just lost and changed your message that you didn't even test. And they do say to test it for 90 days. So I think it's been really clear on what you're about to start with and just being patient. And then, you know, at some point, if you then think, yes, maybe you could go to an agency and get a little bit of advice on it to, to super clarify your message. But just starting where to start with of what you're putting out there and then testing it, being patient, understanding that likes aren't always indicator either. You can have lurkers who will come to you and, and may say, right, I want to work with you. And you're thinking, who are you? I've never even seen, <laughs> I never even see you like any posts that I've put out there, but they're there waiting. So that's another top tip is just not always to judge everything as you think it is. Mm, that's a great one. Thanks for that then, Carly. And I'd also love to ask you about podcasting since you have your own podcast. And obviously before we kicked off today, we were talking about microphones. Carly knows way more about these things than I do. So um, are there any tips that you could share around podcasting for anyone who's either thinking of starting or is continuing to build their own podcast? So many. Yeah, you've got me onto one of my passion subjects now. My podcast is actually a year old in a couple of weeks at the end of February. And I absolutely love it and couldn't be without it. It's undoubtedly got me through this last year. It's been one of the tools that I've really used my own mental well-being, keeping me connected, keeping me focused. And it becomes, again, thinking where to start. The, one, the number one tip I'm going to say for this is firstly, to be really clear and intentional. So that's my top tip. Back to that intention, a bit like we said about the message and who you're speaking to, those tools go into a podcast because, again, we can get carried away and get excited and think, right, I'm just going to launch this podcast. It's about something I love. That's enough. It isn't, unfortunately. It has to have that strategy as well as your passion. Even when you're looking for guests to interview, you know, what can they bring to you? And don't be afraid to ask them that. You know, you will get people. I have people that are emailing me and contacting me saying, yeah, I'd love to be on your podcast. I had it recently. I was, I'm, I'm now on Clubhouse, loving Clubhouse. That's a whole different conversation. Mm. And I do have people say, oh, love the sound of your podcast. Could I be a guest? And then really what I want them to do, and this is a good tip if you want to get into podcasting, being a guest yourself, if you want to dip your toe into podcasting, is, well, what can they offer me? And really what I would love to do is people to contact me and say, this is what my specialities are. This is what I can offer you. So it's being intentional if you're looking for guests and saying, this is what I need. I've done that before. In fact, I did that in a podcast connection group that I'm in and I was looking for a few new guests. I, I, I've got guests interviews coming out of ev everything, really. It's crazy. I've probably got about six months of content. I get a bit carried away. But I put that in thinking, I'm being super specific. This is what I want to talk to. And I still had about 100 people apply. So it was a bit of a nightmare. And that was me getting intentional and, and clear. So you can imagine if you're not, you know, that's that whole process is going to be really tricky. So be intentional, be clear, use it as an actual marketing tool. And then from that, it's not really a tip, but it's why I love it so much, as well as for the mental well-being side, is it becomes your content. So I use my podcast as my main central piece of content per week. So I release an episode every week. I then drop it into, it's something I've actually designed, which I call the ideas incubator. And I kind of drop it into the middle of that. It's just a sheet that I've made it look all pretty like I do. And um, it, it then kind of repurposes itself. I can think, where else can I use that content? So you know, I'm talking about perfectionism. Can I ask questions around that? Can I make that into a blog post? Oh, can I sell something? You know, is this is a product I offer that backs that up and I can talk about? Is there a story on where perfectionism's showed up for me? So that's the main thing about podcasting is getting clear and intentional with your guests and then it becomes really valuable content. 
That's fantastic. Thanks, Carly. And in terms of pitfalls then, anything that you should get people to watch out for, would you say? Yeah, I probably answered it there, but it's it's not being specific enough. It's being a bit a bit about everything and wanting everybody on your guest. You know, we can get sometimes the other actually this is a good one, that you know, again, if you did put in a, a a post out there saying, I'm looking for guests, come and chat to me. And so you're looking at people you admire, and I've done this before, and you might say, Oh, I'd love those on my podcast. And then you might reach out and say, would you like to be on my podcast? And they say, yes, I would love to. And you're doing a happy dance inside thinking, oh, that's amazing because you look up to them, you follow them. It becomes almost a little bit starstruck. And then I've done that before and I'd be like, no, what do I talk about? Because I maybe haven't been intentional. I've got a little bit, say, starstruck, a little bit, just not really thought it through. And I definitely had that with quite a big entrepreneur. And I couldn't believe he'd said yes. This was in lockdown one. And the fact that I just, I just asked on a Sunday, so that's top tip, actually, if you're wanting to reach out to people, Sundays apparently are the best day where people aren't doing as much and they'll be more responsive. So you could, if you do want to get a podcast gig, that's my tip. He replied, said yes. And then it was when I was more to do well-being, my podcast, actually, I did pivot a little bit, but then I did make it work. So sometimes it is just being intentional, but you know what? If it happens, maybe you could structure it later and think how you can link it. That's a a great tip. Thanks, Carly. And thanks for all of your advice. We've covered all sorts of things here from mental well-being, physical well-being, mindset and and marketing. So I'm sure everyone's got an awful lot out of of what you've been talking us through. So is there anything else you'd like to share with us today? I think we've covered everything, but I, I do think being intentional and I'm going to go back to my two eyes, I call them, intuition and intention. And I think if you put those together, tap into what feels good to you you do have to get to know your target market, but it has to sit right with your, in fact, I could have three eyes, three eyes. I should, I've just developed a new one, Vicky. So integrity. So it's been integrity to your personal values is then use that intuitive approach to think, does that sit right with me as well as my ideal or dream client? Is that going to work? It's a two way street here. It has to work for both of you to create that connection and that energy that you want to attract back. And then be intentional because we can go, if, if it was all about the feel good and all about, yes, this looks good, feels good, sounds good, out it goes, but it's not really got strategy behind it. It's not going to land as well as you wanted it to. So I think all those uh, three, so it's gone from two to three. So thank you, Vicky. That's, I'm going to jot that down after. <laughs> and <laughs> three eyes and strategy is the main one in there. Probably you know, get strategic, get intentional, plan, 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 and just look at all those key elements. And just to know that marketing and branding is a key, huge part of your business. If you get that right, it's going to make your life so much easier when you then move forward, whether it's a website, content. If you've got that, the core ingredients, you're going to just, everything will flow. That's my main message. It's get that right and the rest flows. Excellent. Thanks ever so much, Carly. It's been great having you here today. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Great. So thanks again for being with us today, Carly. I've really enjoyed speaking with Carly, as I always do. And I'm sure if you're listening, you've learned some really useful tips, even if it's just things you've already thought about before and maybe just need to refocus in on. As you may know, I'm just getting started with the Make Your Difference podcast. So if you've enjoyed today's session, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That'd be really helpful for me. I'm busy interviewing people in different sized well-being organizations around mindset and marketing, as well as marketers like Carly who support them to make their difference. So thank you very much for listening. And as always, go and make your difference.